Welcome to Coffee with April. What you're about to listen to is the audio recording of our April video content. We're bringing this to you in audio form to make sure you can take it with you wherever you go. For the full video, please visit our YouTube channel, Coffee with April. Thank you. Welcome back with another episode of Coffee with April. This time, we're going to answer a, a pretty common question um, and something that's been on my mind a lot lately, mainly because we just went through a three-day certification workshop together with Loring as well, um, Loring Smart Roast, which is the brand that we're roasting on. And there's something that keeps on coming up in, in the discussion in how do you transition from um, an other roast system to Loring. And what I want to show you guys is basically what's the, the first thing to think about and the one thing that most people go wrong in the beginning. Now, it's important to understand that the Loring is actually a drum roaster, just as, as most of the other roasters on the market today would be, right? There's a few significant differences that I think makes this roaster very interesting. First of all is the cyclone. So the fact that the burner is separated from the drum, whereas on a traditional drum roaster, you have a burner underneath the drum. But on the Loring, you have the burner actually in the back, which is really interesting. It's interesting for many reasons. The main thing is that when you have the burner underneath the drum, you will have to have a moving drum because otherwise a specific part of the drum underneath would become way too warm and burn or scorch or roast the coffee unevenly, right? Now with Loring, the burner's in the back so the drum can actually stay fixed meaning that what's moving the coffee is the paddles within the drum. Now this is interesting because when a drum is fixed, you can also seal it properly, right? So sealing it properly allows you to trap more energy in the drum, which is roasting more uniform and more efficient. Whereas on a moving drum, that is gonna have to leak energy because you can't basically seal in, in a moving drum, right? It's pretty easy if you think about it. Um, that's the first thing to think about. Now, apart from that, in the more specifically in the transition, what we see here and what people sometimes forget is that Loring has specific probes, right? And the probes are by far the thinnest on the market, the most responsive on the market. Uh, and with probes, we mean thermocouples. Uh, we have a few of them in the machine, but let's focus on the bean curve as that's, uh, or the bean probe, which is the one that people pay most attention to. So I want to tell you a few things about the bean probe first before we compare with other machines. One of the things that is important is that the bean probe is reading the temperature of itself. Um, and it's reading a lot of the environmental air temperature as well, meaning that when you're roasting different batch sizes, for example, you most likely will have to work with other temperatures as your cue. So for example, a 20% batch size versus a 100% batch size will most likely not have the same end temperature in terms of bean temp, because when the batch size is smaller, the probe will read more of the environment temperature, most likely having it show higher numbers than when the probe is completely submerged into the beans the whole time. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, to the whole point here, transitioning from one roaster to another, uh, and this is true for almost all roast machines, 
Um, but I mean, I've been around roasting on, on a lot of different machines and setups. And if you, for example, look at the, the old vintage Probat UG22, great machine um, that a lot of people are using. If you take apart those probes, most of the times they're like <laughs> this long and, and this thick, um, which is very different from what we have on the Loring, right? And what I wanted to just to show you here, and again, these are not an actual curves from any roast profiles. This is just to reference what normally happens. So what I've done here is that Imagine you're roasting the same batch in the same roast machine and you put in a lowering probe and another probe, right? Most of the times what happens is that the curve difference will be the following, right? So the green curve here being the lowering curve, this is a bean rate of rise, and the red curve here being an other machine, um, meaning that the lowering picks up temperature a lot faster and a lot more efficient. So the main point here is that if what you actually can do when you transition from two different roast machines is that you take the same profile. The only exception here is that to be able to convert that same profile to a Loring, um, you need to rethink the numbers because the Loring probe will show you different numbers than what your traditional probe does on your machine. The easiest solution to this would be to take a Loring probe and put it in your old machine or take your probe and put it in the lowering machine and roast one or two batches to see how those number reacts, right? Then you're gonna be able to transition much, much smoother from your older machine to your new machine and make sure to get the results that you want to much, much quicker. So that was just a few tips and tricks, some stuff to think about when you're roasting on the lowering uh, and especially when you're transitioning from your old machine to your new lowering. So thank you guys for watching and as per always, if you have any comments, just write them down here and we'll make sure to answer them. From us here at April, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends, family and colleagues. Thank you.